everybody, welcome to the next episode of Hard Lessons. I uh, hope you guys listened to the last, um, I wouldn't call it an episode, but we'll call it uh, the last snippet uh, that I published. Um, you know, I'm being uh, very sincere when I say, you know, if you have a small company and um, you want some, some free ad space, shoot me an email and just, um, you know, tell me who you are and what you do and let's... Um, let's get you promoted. You know, like I said, this, this show is not about making money or anything like that. Uh, this, this show is simply here because I want to do it. And I want to help. Um, but if you didn't listen to that episode, please go back and listen to it. And, um, you know, it was a, it was a very from the heart episode. So anyways, uh, I'm going to hit a couple, just going to hit a couple things that I saw this week that were interesting. And then we're going to hit our hard lesson. Um, and we're going to get out of here. Well, first off, I'm a free market guy. I think the free markets are um, an amazing thing. It what it it's what makes us um, America. I I like the free market, and I like the fact that we can sell anything for as much as we want to sell it. But what is the deal with expensive workout shorts? Um, it just seems like the past year maybe I, and I'm not I'm not gonna name drop like any of the brands um, but I, I I I like a certain pair of workout short I like it to sit above the knee not be too wide I just like to be comfortable and you know when I'm obviously when you're searching for something uh, Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and whatever you know Amazon whatever else they track your every move, and so now I'm getting ads for um, you know different types of workout shorts, different companies, and I saw one, and I'm like, hey man, that's uh, that's perfect, that's cool, I, I I like those shorts, I'm gonna get some, and I click on the link, and I kid you not, workout shorts were fifty to sixty dollars, <laughs> if. I, if somebody wants to pay it, great. Um, but my cheap ass is not buying $60 shorts that I'm just gonna sweat in. I will tell you, um, I, I will give some positive press here. Uh, the last time I spent $50 or $60, I can't remember how much. The last time I spent a lot of money on a pair of shorts was a brand called Bird Dogs. Uh, and I think I've mentioned them before. Um, in, in briefly in one of the previous episodes, but they they've got an amazing marketing campaign, absolutely hysterical, amazing marketing campaign. But their product is a hundred percent worth it. They're not workout. I I don't know how to explain them, but they are. They're super. I would buy them over and over and over again. Awesome stuff. Um, anyway, so I want to I want to get to a couple things that I just kind of I don't know stumbled upon this week um, as I'm surfing the web or, or reading articles or whatever. Uh, Butcher Box. I want to talk about kind of how how cool Butcher Box is, and I, I think they're missing a marketing opportunity. So uh, they're getting pretty big. You've probably seen them. So Butcher Box is any it's like any other mail subscription 
but they send you meat. It's um, you know it's probably shipped on dry ice, uh, and they send you meat. But what I didn't know about ButcherBox was it's all locally sourced. It's all very sustainably sourced meat, and it's all sourced from um, I guess smaller farmers that these uh, that this company has a really good relationship with. And so if you look at the price of ButcherBox, it is, it's pretty hefty. But if you actually look at kind of what they're doing and the way that they're doing things, um, they're trying to be more, um, I don't know, responsible. They're trying to, they're trying to um, you know, work with these smaller farmers. They're trying to have, um, you know, sustainably sourced and yada yada uh and good for them but i think they miss you know they're missing a mark because they don't really when i when i get ads for butcher box i don't get any of that i don't see any of that and i don't know if it's something that they just want to make sure that they do in the background but they're trying to promote something else but i i feel like if if that was an avenue that I was going down is looking for, you know, I, you know, here where we live, there's a farm, I, 10 minutes up the road that I can literally go in and I can get anything from, uh, filet mignon to, uh, pulled pork to a whole chicken to any type of meat that I want that they raise there at that farm. I could get it. And it is literally, Farm to table, farm to stove to table, and I I like going up there and and getting that that fresh uh, that fresh meat. You know, I love to cook and I love food, and so I I don't I don't know. I, I think Butcher Box really is missing um, a marketing avenue where they could really play on this. Hey, this look, this is what we this is what we do. Um. So anyways, so uh, another thing I want to tell you guys about, uh, I reluctantly signed up for this and now I can't wait for it every morning. Every morning this email comes to me and I literally just wait and I wonder what time is it going to be sent out, when am I going to get it, and what kind of goodies am I going to get today. It is called The Hustle. So The Hustle is a daily email and there's there's a lot of different daily email um, subscriptions that you can you know that I think there's uh oh man the daily brew maybe there 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 are a bunch of just daily you know kind of excerpt emails that you can get but I will say a the hustle has got kind of a sense of humor about what they do and the way that they write is really um really good you know they very punny very but anyway so but the hustle I get the email every morning and it's just got uh, little excerpts of kind of news that you wouldn't see on the news if that makes sense Um, it's it's stuff about there there's a day like right before Christmas where um, a lot of mergers and company purchases happen 
and they they do a deep dive and what you find out is the reason that all these deals get done is because all these executives don't want to be working before Christmas to try and close these deals so they all close these deals it's like a it's on a Friday or on a Tuesday or something like that um so yeah I mean it, it's really cool so it, it's got a lot of good information in it and it's got a lot of stuff that'll make you think and if you're somebody that's looking to get into business it's got a lot of stuff that will kind of inadvertently guide you in is this a good direction that I should go so uh, this is this is not a this is not a paid ad but hustle it's the hustledaily.com maybe I, I don't know just look if you type in the hustle you'll find it um, but really really helpful really entertaining really good stuff uh, I would love to be able to get these guys on the phone and talk to them and um, just kind of see uh, where their minds at but uh, really good people love it I will tell you another thing that I found last week that was kind of cool and it kind of led me into is is this the next thing for big business? Is this the next thing? That's an up and coming trend. Um so I got on to I'm sure you've heard me talk about one of my favorite brands, Violent Gentleman Hockey Club. Uh, I got on there to purchase a couple things. And normally when I pay for something, I pay for it with my debit card. If I don't have the cash for it, I don't need it. But when I was checking out, I scrolled down to the bottom and I saw something that kind of caught my eye. It said, pay later with Affirm. So I thought, okay, well, what is this? So I started looking into it. And it, it is literally, um, it's like microfinancing. It is, a firm is this company that uh, you can put it on your, your business website and people can pay over the course of, uh, I can't remember, three to four payments, it's something like that. And they take a small percentage, it's like an extra each payment's broken. It's like an extra $2 uh, each payment. So like six bucks, you know, extra to, to pay over time. Now, like I said, normally I pay for everything uh, with my debit card, but I was so interested in how this worked and if this was going to be as seamless and as easy as they made it sound. And so I did it. I I paid for uh, my articles of clothing with a firm, and you don't have to pay everything. It's not like a layaway where you got to pay it all off and then they ship your order. Um, it's just like the order's paid for, and it's almost like the financial responsibility comes um, becomes a firm's problem. So a firm, it seems, would pay uh, the vendor and then it's a firm's job to collect the money via payments over time. It was really easy to, you do everything over the phone. They sent me a, a link. You click on the link, you type some info in, and then they get you all set up and you can link your bank account and they take out um, payments over, I want to I say 
and I, I felt so, I felt so silly because I, I think my total order was only, you know, like $48 or something like that. And I felt so silly, like financing something like that. <laughs> but, um, I had to try it just to kind of see how seamless this, this really was. And it was so easy. And like the first payment came out, um, uh, this, you know, this month and it's, you know, it's two more payments scheduled. Um, but I mean, it just got me thinking is, is microfinancing going to be something that we're going to do in the future because everybody uh, with the rise of Amazon, everybody is a now type person. I want it now and I don't care if it costs $300. How do I get it? Do I put it on my credit card? And it seems like companies uh, like this, and I don't know if there's any other companies out there like this. I'm sure there are. I'm sure they're not the only ones um, that break these payments up for people that uh, do not have as positive cash flow as some, you know, other people. Um, so I, I thought that was really cool. I, I do think that the future is microfinance. And, you know, if you I, I, I'm shocked that Amazon hasn't done this yet or maybe they have and I just don't know it. Um, I, I'm going to look that up after uh, after the show to see if maybe Amazon does something like that. I think it's I think it's cool. Um, I, I'm not huge into going into debt or owing anybody anything, but I'm not everybody. You're not everybody. And, you know, there's a lot of people out there. Um, I'll be honest. I'm going to look to see if it's something that I can add to uh, my website because, you know, like what, what we sell is typically only 25 to to $35. We're going to have some coming out that, that are going to be a little bit more expensive. Um, they're not here yet due to, uh, uh, you know, the entire country of China being shut down anyways. Um, so yeah, look, look into that, look it up. I, I think it's, it's kind of neat. Uh, let's talk about coronavirus. You don't, uh, you, you see it in the news about coronavirus, but I haven't seen a lot of what's the economic impact of the coronavirus. And I think that's really important. I think it's something that I'm not seeing, uh, in a lot of news sources and I watch a lot of different news sources. I watch any, I mean, I'm one of those people that I don't like the media and I don't like the media because everybody's got their own agenda and I'm not a sheep. I can think for myself, just give me the facts and I'll sort it out. Uh, So I watch a lot of, and I read a lot of different news articles from different types of news of media outlets. So far, I only hear about the coronavirus and, and the the count of people that are sick and, and all of this, which is very important to information to have. But I think we as Americans who are so reliant on imported goods, it's very important to, to kind of look ahead and say, uh, what's the future economic impact of this? I have got a factory in China that is completely shut down. March is when I start running my ads because I have almost a seasonal business. It's it's not really seasonal, but it's almost seasonal, especially um, if you're marketing heavy in 
um, the Midwest region where you have winter. Sunglasses are just not a they're not a winter item, even though it's very important during the winter. I, I try and relay that message. Um, but if if my factory shut down, then plenty of other factories are shut down. Uh, I'm not the only one affected. Uh, there may be things that are not on the shelves here soon if, if they don't get things under control. And so I think it's it's very important to kind of think forward. And I'm, I'm actually a little um, disheartened that we don't talk. You know, I don't hear a lot of talk about um, what the economic impact could be if we don't get things under control soon. Or, well, not we, but they. And, you know, I, I'm just I'm just a, a, a microbe of the total economic uh, impact. And, and it's a huge economic impact for China because they are not making goods, which means they are not receiving money. And it's um, it, it's it's a serious thing. And when it first uh, when it first popped up, I thought, man. Uh, okay, this this could go away quick, and it didn't. It did not go away quick, and it doesn't seem like it's going away anytime soon. Um, so we will let's just keep our eye on it and kind of see where it goes. So, anyways, so let let's let's hit up uh, kind of the topic for the day, and then I've got a couple emails, and what I did is I, I went new, old, new, old. Or old, new, old, new, whatever. I, I've got emails from like previous and I've got uh, very recent emails. And so I'm going to get to those. But um, hard lesson for today, leadership and conflict. And when I say it's the hard lesson for today, it means I've had a hard lesson in leadership and conflict. I wasn't always a good leader. And I would say that, I would say now I am... I am a good leader. I, I, obviously, I'm not perfect. None of us are. But you know, just as as I've got older, you know, I, I really have kind of learned um, from from people. I've learned from, you know, it wasn't from lack of trying. I just didn't have the experience or guidance that I needed to make me a good leader. And I was very young. And when you're young, you think you know everything and you don't. And now that I'm 32, I think, see, that's how, that's how old and wise I am. I've already forgot how old I am. Um, you know, I just, I didn't have the experience or the guidance that I, that I really needed to be a leader. And I was, I was thrown into a leadership position and kind of just tried to figure it out. And, and I hate the quote, born leader. There, there are people that are just charismatic, but I don't, think, I don't think that there's born leaders. I think that, you know, leadership comes from experience. It comes from training. Um, it comes from failing. It comes from uh, winning. It comes from... It comes from mentorship. I think that's one of the, the huge ones is, is mentorship. And I've talked about find a mentor. Find a mentor that is a, a leader. Find a mentor that is a, a, a proven 
you know, that has a proven track record of winning. And, you know, that is where you're going to hone your skills. You know, invest in yourself, invest in classes, invest in, you know, there's plenty of classes that you can take to help you hone your leadership skills. And it's, it's funny when you, when you go to a class that's supposed to help you uh, work on your leadership skills, I don't necessarily think that you learn anything new about being a leader. I think that when you go to these uh, courses or classes, it's really self-reflective. The past two that I've been to have been really self-reflective. Do you do this? This is your personality style, and this is the best way for you to lead people. And maybe these are... Maybe the XYZ um, is is a reason that you don't command the type of leadership that you should. And so they, they are very self-reflective. And it's a lot of learning about yourself. But if you're the right person, you learn about yourself and then you figure out how to adjust accordingly to become a better leader. You know, I, I learned what... You know, how to deal with generational gaps, and we'll get into that in a second, but I, I learned how to deal with generational gaps, um, and there there can be conflict with the different generations, and sometimes it's not even a huge conflict. Sometimes it's just they lack understanding of each other, and if you can kind of identify that issue, then sometimes you can actually ease tensions a little bit and, and clear up, clear the air. Anyway, so there, there's two different type of, of conflict that I want to hit on. There's direct and indirect. And when you become a leader, a manager, a business owner, you're going to hit direct and, and indirect conflict. So direct conflict is when somebody has an issue with you. It's, it's a direct issue with you. And indirect is an issue with a employee or somebody that works for you um, that doesn't involve you, but it, it needs your assistance. So I want to start, let's start with direct conflict. Direct conflict, like I said, is somebody that has a problem with you or something that is going on with within your organization. Um, first off, it is okay for an employee to have an issue with you. We're human. We're not perfect. Uh, so you need to go into these things. If, if somebody, if an employee approaches you and they have a an issue or a problem with you or something that you've done, you need to go into these conflicts with zero emotion. Um, God, what's that show called? The Blacklist. I, I'll never forget. There was a quote I heard on The Blacklist. If you've never watched The Blacklist, really good show. There's a quote I heard on the blacklist, and he said, uh, apathy is a businessman's best friend. Now, in the context, the context in which he said it, it was cinematic, but if you 
if you really take that quote, kind of mush it up a little bit and apply it in into some some business decisions and some conf, you know, in a business decision, when we don't act with emotion, we tend to make a better decision. And I think the same goes with conflict because we get emotional. Uh, and, and if you can go into these things with no emotion and with a very analytical mind, I think it's going to help you resolve things easier. I think it's going to help you uh, reduce tension a lot faster. You know, go into these things as you are the neutral party in the situation. There's three people in the room when you're having this discussion. The employee, you, and the person they have an issue with, which happens to be you. But you're the neutral party. You need to just pretend like you, the ghost of you, is sitting next to you and you are the mediator. And, you know, it, it could be something, you, you need to be open-minded because it it could be something, maybe they just want to vent. It happens. I have, I have employees that just want to vent. They just want to just get it out there and then they feel so much better. Or sometimes they regret um, what they said, or sometimes they, they realize as they're talking that, Hey, maybe, maybe they're not, uh, maybe it's not as big of an issue as they think. Maybe you have a personality quirk. All of us do. Um, I, I, okay. I'll tell you a story. So I've got a guy, he doesn't work for me directly, but he, he does, but he doesn't. Um, and he's, God, he's, he's a great, he's a great worker, great employee, just a, he's a great person. He's a company person, somebody that you just, no matter what company you have, you would want him on your team. He is a, in a supervisor type capacity, but man, he's just a great person. And I found myself kind of not having conflict with him, but, um, finally, finally one day he comes out and he says, look, I got to talk to you. He says, when you talk to me, I feel like you're always talking down to me or talking to me like I'm stupid. And I, I almost busted out hysterically laughing because I don't, I do not talk down to people. Um, I treat everybody equally unless proven otherwise. I do not talk down to people. But where the miscommunication happened is part of my leadership style, part of my management style comes from my days in law enforcement as a as a, a patrol sergeant and I had you know, I had 18 officers that reported to me. And when I showed up to a to an emergency, everybody's looking at you. You're the one with the stripes on your shoulder. Everybody's looking at you saying, what should we do? And, you know, even though I was probably the youngest, probably in history, probably the youngest sergeant for this department even if somebody had 15 more years experience than me 
in law enforcement. They just knew that when they showed up to a scene of an emergency, the guy with the stripes on his shirt is going to be the one to tell you what's going on, what they need you to do, and it needs to happen immediately. And so part of... And part of that is communicating communicating information quickly and precisely. That is how you get through an emergency without people losing their lives. Quickly and precisely. So come to find out, it was it was a, it was miscommunication. You know, part of my leadership style is not messing around and saying this is what I need done. This is how I need it done. And I will tell you the urgency in which it needs done. And he interpreted that as me talking down to him. But he, when we finally had that conversation, our entire relationship changed and we actually became very, very close because we, we have a lot of common interest. But when we broke that barrier of, hey, this is the problem and... Here's why uh, I I feel this way. You know, he under he understood me, and he understood the why in which I did things. And when he understood the why in which I did things, he was much less offended. But when I understood why it bothered him, I was able to understand that when I talked to him. Um, I was able to change the way that I talked. I, I was a little bit more personable when I talked to him. Um, and, and so it sorted things out pretty quickly just with a little bit of conversation, with a little bit of dialogue. And the fact that neither one of us uh, really went into it emotional is just a very matter-of-fact exchange. So really be the neutral party and, and look at, you know, what is really the problem? Listen. Listen to what, what the problem really is. Let them get it off their chest. You know, I'll tell you this, and, and while you're listening, don't be formulating a response. This is one of the biggest things in communication, and it, it'll help your, your friendships. It'll help your work relationships. It'll help your marriage. It'll help it will help every relationship. Don't formulate a response as they're talking. I've learned this. I've learned this the hard way. I've put this into practice and it has helped me become a significantly better communicator when I put this into practice. Practice. Don't formulate a response. Actually open your ears and listening to listen to what this person's saying, try to take it in. And because when you're responding in your head, you're not actually listening. Once they're done talking, uh, maybe even clarify what they said and then formulate your response. Another thing, and this is another thing that will, A, this will speak volumes to how much you care for your employees and how respected they will feel when you do this. And I, I call, I, I'm not a brash person, but I call people out on this uh, if they do it to me. And I will call them out immediately and I will tell them that they, they need to quit doing this. 
if you are having a conversation with an employee or with uh, even a coworker or you know with somebody that works for your company, don't have any distractions. When I talk to an employee, my laptop screen is down, my phone is face down, if my Apple Watch goes off, I don't look at it. If somebody wants to talk to me, they have my undivided attention and I'm telling you this will make them feel so much more valued than anybody else would make them feel if you do this don't have any distractions and I I, I will have a conversation with somebody all the time and they start looking at the phone and I say I need your attention because I'm I'm, I'm trying to relay information to you but this is the one thing that I have put into practice because, again, uh, I, I would say that back in the day, you know, I'm listening, but, you know, maybe I'm maybe I'm I have a text or an email that came through and I want to look at it quickly. Don't do it. They have your undivided attention. They will feel respected. They will respect you more for doing that for them. Make sure that they have your attention. I think one of the last things that I'll say um, about direct conflict is you don't have to have an answer or a solution right away. Uh, I learned this. I've learned this from multiple people that run large companies. I've talked to them before. And I'll, I'll bring something up and they'll say, let me, let me think about this for, for a bit. Let me chew on this. And I feel like as an early leader, as an early manager, as an early whatever, I think, I think we, we feel obligated to, to fix the situation right away. We want to fix the situation now and we want to have a solution now because if we don't have the answer right now, we will look weak. Whereas I have learned from other people over time that are much more successful and much smarter than I am. If you chew on it a bit and really think through things, you'll probably have a better answer. You'll probably have a better solution if you're not making a snap decision. You know, listen, listen to the issues within your organization. If you own a company, listen to the issues. Um, you know, listen, especially if you own a company or you're a higher level kind of VP position, um, president type position. If somebody brings an issue to you, you need to listen to that because it could be something uh, that needs to change. It needs to change quick or it could you know, it could be something that, that you just never knew that nobody ever told you. So I, I, I'll tell you another quick story. Um, so my father owned, owned a company, very successful company. And he said something, we, we didn't talk business a lot. We don't, we still don't, we don't talk business a lot. Um, yeah, I bounce things off of him. He's a smart guy, but, uh, I'll never forget one thing that he told me. 
we were having a conversation about uh, maybe some of the issues that he might have had within his organization that he owned. He said this one phrase to me, and it stuck with me to this day. He said, it's lonely at the top. Let me explain that. It's lonely at the top. Nobody wants to come to you for advice because then they think that you'll think they're incompetent. You're paying their salary, and if they have to come to you for for an issue, what do you need them for? It's very lonely at the top, and, and employees will keep all these things down to lower level and try to hash it out when really it should come to you. If it's a larger issue, it should come to you. Um, and then one, one more thing, and I, I want to move on to kind of indirect conflict, which I promise will be much shorter. Um, look at the common denominator. I know a company um, that I have talked to, and they have they have had issues with getting a operations manager. They get an operations manager, and the operations manager doesn't last all that long usually. They have been through seven of them, in fact. Now... If you have had to hire seven operations managers within, I'd say, a four or five year period, wouldn't you think that you would look at what the common denominator is there? Because if you've gone through that many, there must be something wrong. And I don't think it's the fact that you're not finding competent managers. And this, this is a story of a, an organization failing to look within and say, hey, guys, it, uh, the salary was, was phenomenal for, you know, it was uh, cl- um, close to $80,000 a year. In Ohio, for an operations manager, that's pretty solid. So in my conversations with them, I, I, I brought up, Okay, guys, you've been through X amount. I think you need to start looking up the chain and figure out what might be causing this because I don't think that it's your laborers. I don't think that you have failed seven times to find a competent manager. I think maybe you need to start looking upward and figure out what what kind of issue could we have upward that is causing up because look, hiring people cost a hiring and training and it cost thousands upon thousands of dollars and turnover will kill your bottom line as a, a, a any organization. Kill it. Got to retain employees and you've got to retain good ones, especially in this economy. So anyways, don't be don't be afraid to look up. Don't be afraid to to think that okay, it's not it's you know, don't be afraid to think maybe it's not an issue beneath me, maybe it's an issue with me, maybe it's an issue above me. Um look look at look at everything. 
let's talk about indirect conflict. And this is, everybody's going to handle it a little bit more different, but, you know, you need to look at, indirect conflict is uh, Bill's having a problem with Jen, or Bill's having a problem with uh, Bob, or Bill's having a problem with Sherry, or Sherry's having a problem with uh, whoever, what, Andy, whoever. You need to... Figure out what the issue is first. Is it something that, that Bill can't really change and so he's kind of stuck in the middle? What What's the issue? Is it a personality clash? Is it communication issues? Is it a procedural issue? You need to look at, uh, as I said before, look at what's the generational gap between the parties because a lot of us don't think about this. Um, I had, I had an employee that that reported to me uh, directly. He was a he was a manager, and he reported to me. And we really, we really, he bumped heads with uh, with a lot of people that reported to him. And. I, I finally figured out that it really wasn't bumping heads. It was just a very generational thing. He had some people that would have been considered millennials where he was a baby boomer. We, we slap all these labels on age, right? And there's obviously exceptions to every rule. But if you look at... You've got to look at the economic standpoint from when people were born um, and, and this is why we we put in the socio you know the social structure of when when people were born and raised that's why we slap these labels on because they they are quite accurate there's a lot of us uh, I I would be considered a millennial but I think there's a there's a certain time gap in the 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 mid to late 80s um, of millennials that were raised um, as just, you know, hard workers and I don't need, you know, I don't need this, I don't need that. But you need to look at what's the generational gap between the parties and I think you need to spend some time learning about different generational gaps like baby boomers, baby boomers millennials, Gen Z, Gen X, Gen XYZ, Gen LMNO, QRP whatever the generations are that are working these days. Uh, millennials really tend to want to be, it's not all about the money with them. They want to be, they want to feel secure in their position. They want to feel like they're doing a good job. Um, you, you do kind of have to feed them information, uh, especially if it's negative feedback. You got to feed it a little bit more softly to them, whereas uh, most baby boomers, you can say, "Hey, you messed up. Uh, don't do that again." And a lot of boomers want to just come to work, and when they punch out, they want to be gone. They want to be gone, and and they want to be left alone, and then they want to come in the next day. 
and they want to do it all over again and they want to earn their pay. They don't care about pats on the back. Pats on back don't pay the bills. It, it's a generational thing. And one of the things that um, I learned was if I can get him to communicate to his staff in a, a more generational way that really was catered to, to that generation, that things might uh, ease up a little bit. And, and he, he took my advice and things started to, to really smooth out. Now there's always going to be issues with generations, but things did start to smooth out a little bit. So you really have to, generation gap is a big thing to look at when you're dealing with issues. Another one is, is it two different departments having issues? Because two different departments don't know what two different departments do unless you've worked in that separate department. And I'll say I'm, I'm lucky because in the career that I, I have had, I've worked in many different departments. Operations, sales, customer service. I've, I've worked in a lot of them. So when issues arise, I can usually um, change a little bit or I can lean a little bit or I can understand a little bit. Um, you know, if, if you're a business owner, if you, um, you know, if you're above or you have other people working for you, can you take these two parties off site? Can you take them? Can you grab a beer one day and hammer things out? Can you do lunch? Can you, can you do something with both parties to build a relationship? Because a lot of times when we get, you know, when we get out of our element, when we get out of our work element, we tend to relax just a little bit more. And that's why, you know, that's why it's very important to take people, um, employees kind of off site, uh, even if there's no issue, take them off site to kind of just chill out and just not worry about work and just kind of uh, build a camaraderie a little bit, you know. Pull the parties off site if you can. I will tell you that, that that's a, a huge thing is getting people off site and out of their element, out of their work element, and get them into a dive bar where there's not a lot of people around and you know, get get some get some beers and really hammer things out. Because I will tell you when you're put face to face with all these issues. And you're out of your element, but you're a little bit more relaxed. Uh, people tend to to chill out a little bit more. You know, another thing is, and like I said before, no, don't. It's not a quick fix. Don't don't have a knee jerk reaction to anything because a knee jerk fix will not fix anything permanently. Really reflect. Really figure out how am I going to fix this long term. And the last thing that I'll tell you about kind of an indirect conflict, and, and this is one of the most important things that you should look at, especially if you're a business owner. If you're a business owner, look for this. Is it an employee issue? Do you have a poisonous employee? Has an employee poisoned the well? And going back to it's lonely at the top. Maybe you just don't know all the issues. Maybe you have an employee that is literally, I don't care if they show up 
every single day on time and they work over for free. If you have a poisonous employee, it is not good for the entirety of the organization. If you have a poisonous employee, you need to get rid of them as quickly as possible. I've seen so many poisonous employees bring down the morale and the production of very healthy companies, but they are allowed to stay there because, oh, they're a good worker. I don't care. There's plenty of good workers with better personalities. There's plenty of good workers that don't cause drama. There's plenty of good workers that are not hateful human beings. And we all, we all know, we all know that person. If you've ever held a job anywhere, you know that person that is just an absolute hateful human being. And it's relentless. And it makes work not fun. If you have a poisonous employee, you need to reflect and figure out why they're poisonous, for one. But B, give them a chance to quit it. If they don't quit it, which they never will, it's time for them to go. And you can replace them with somebody else that is much healthier to your organization. All right, so I have I have rattled on and on and on, and I've got some emails to get to. Like I said, I've got um, I got an older one, a newer one. Let me scroll down here, an older one, and then I got a newer one. Um, and then we're out of here. I'm, I'm done. If you are still listening to this train wreck, uh, I, I really appreciate everything. So, uh, older ones, Sean, I'm wanting to launch my own brand blank, blank, blank. I'm not going to say what it is. Uh, I predict my sales will be heavily social media based. We haven't launched yet, but should we go ahead and start trying to build a following or should we wait until we have a product available to sell? Both, um, you you gotta find that that fine line between getting ready to launch and and launching. <clears throat> Excuse me, I need a drink. I would say right before you're getting ready to have a prototype available, have have something. Um, there is a there's a company coming online right now they did it pretty well it's a smaller company screen printing uh, it's called blackout hockey club and <clears throat> they are going to launch at the end of this month and they are trying to gather a following so what they did was they did some small decals some you know ran some giveaways and and they're they're 100 social media based so they are, they're close to launching, but they haven't launched and they've tried to build a following um, around, you know, hockey. So with, with seeing, I, like I said, I'm not going to say right, right now what you guys are, what you guys are launching, but when, when you do launch, please um, be a sponsor. Um, I would have something readily available as far as photos, um, maybe a, a month before you launch because you got to do a little bit of a buildup. When I started Stagger Shades, um, I actually had product in stock ready to ship, but I did a little bit of a buildup of kind of introducing everything and, and getting a, 
getting a social media page. I want to say that, you know, we had several social media photos before we launched and people want to know who you are. And especially if you're going to be a social media based company, you've got to have some sort of track record. You can't just post your first picture and start promoting it. And, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I would, I would get on, I would start a, if you're going to do Instagram, I would start an Instagram and upload several pictures over the course of a month and then go live and try to build, build a little bit of a following if you can. And then you're I'm, I'm just telling you that you're with what I, your following is going to come down the road. Uh, we had zero following. I am, I'm shocked that, uh, that I had the sales that we did have when we first started, but, um, your, your following is going to come down the road. You're going to get it. You're gonna, there's just going to be that little in between kind of people aren't going to take a chance on you. And some people are, um, so you got to prove to them that, that you are a legitimate brand and, so yeah, so that that that's your answer, yes and no. Um, just kind of have a kind of have a little bit of an an in between right there. Uh, let's get to a newer one that came in after um, the last episode. Uh, Sean, I love the name change. Thanks for making this show more inclusive. I'm in a management position, but would love to start my own side gig and hopefully grow into a full time company. Just from your experience, what is the balance like? I have never owned my own company before, and I'm afraid it will take time from my family, but the extra money sounds good. Also, uh, we would we would like to have a heavy donation platform. Any advice would help. Uh, first of all, if you, it's great if you want to have a heavy donation platform. I think that's a great thing to to promote on. Um, we don't promote on it as heavily as we used to. In fact, um, I've actually removed that page from my site. And when we do decide who we're going to get behind, I'll, I'll put something up there. Uh, but originally, I wanted to I wanted to structure like a Tom's where you buy a pair and then we, we donate X to you know this foundation. Um, and what I found was... You know, you you run into some organizations that are great to work with and you run into organizations that are not great to work with, even though they're nonprofits and you want to support them. Sometimes they don't help it make sense. And um, and, and so that's something that I learned. But yeah, if, if you want to have a heavy donation platform, good for you. Um, definitely make sure that you promote that, but learn how to promote that and learn how to promote that properly. Um. Maybe shoot me a follow-up email and kind of tell me how you, kind of tell me how you are going to structure your your donation um, platform and let me let me kind of help you out a little bit just because it's something that I've been through. Um, it, as far as working and starting your own business, um, I have worked and I've started several businesses, and I'm going to tell you that it is hard. It is a hard thing to do, and it is going to take time from your family. Um, but I will tell you that you somehow find a balance. You know, I have two little girls that I love with all my heart, and and spending time with them is the most important thing 
on this planet. And so I find that I make, I make that time. I make that balance. And when they go to bed, then that's when I get to work. Um, you know, I don't have an answer. And, and I want to say in an, a previous episode, somebody asked me about the work-life balance thing. And I just don't have a straight answer for you. You got to figure out what works for your family. You got to figure out what works for you. And if you listen to the last full episode, I talked about mental health. And I'm telling you right now, if you dive into this and you decide that you're going to go full bore into a into a side business and you start letting your mental health lack, you're going to feel drained all the time. You're going to feel tired. You're not going to have the passion that you uh, once had for what you are doing. And so you've got to have that passion because that passion is going to make you move forward and forward and forward. So you do have to really, um, I block things out. I, I, I literally, I, I time block things for myself. I don't always do it in writing, but I do it mentally. Wednesday, my wife is home early. She's usually home before me. And every Wednesday I walk in the door I walk into the bedroom, I take my phone, and I plug it in, and it stays there. I don't look at it, I don't touch it, nothing. It stays there, because that's my night to be with my family. So, it is a good thing to do, and you should be be working your, your normal job, and when you're done, grow your wealth. And grow something, grow your business. Um, you should do that. It, it should be awesome. But you do have to find that balance. You have to find it on your own, though. I can't be the one to tell you, hey, this is what you do. It's tough. It's not all about the money either. You know, don't don't just be chasing the money. You got to chase a passion. I, I had lunch with a good friend two days ago and we were talking about stagger shades and we were talking about um, the profitability of it. And, um, you know, I, I laughed. I said it. I'm talking about starting another company <laughs> because I am the most employable person in the world right now. Let's start another company. <laughs> and uh, but you know, he was asking, well, what are you going to do with Stagger Shades? Said, Stagger Shades is going to stay around for, for years and years if customers let me. I said, I would run that place at a net zero if I could because I love it. And that's the thing that you got to remember. It's not about the money. The money sounds great, but you've got to love it. If you don't love it, don't do it. Time management skills, your family first. You're, you can't just be swimming around in a pile of cash if nobody's with you swimming. Uh, let's get to an older one. It, this was like months and months ago that this one came in. I just haven't been able to, to get to all of these, and I'm sorry. Um, I own a small business. We have four employees, two in the office, and two that are a labor-type position. My business has just grown to, level, to this level due to several new contracts. This is my first... This is my first go at managing several people and keeping a company afloat. What are some ways to keep employees engaged and happy in this current labor market? I need to make sure they stick with me. Uh, first of all, good for you. Uh, good job. Proud of you. 
Um, this is your first chance. This this is a blank slate to make the best places at work list. It's fresh. You don't have any baggage. You are a blank slate. A, like I said earlier, invest in yourself as a leader. Take take classes, courses, you know. Just because you're you're the head guy in charge doesn't mean that you stop investing in yourself at that point, right? You haven't made it and you're never gonna make it. You gotta keep investing in yourself. It's invaluable, totally invaluable because you will learn things about yourself or managing people that you never thought you'd learn, especially if this is your first go at it. Invest in yourself because that's going to be one way that you keep employees engaged with you and you keep them on your side and you don't just become the, the nasty boss, right? That my boss. Um, Set the tone in your office, and and this is something that I I see a lot of times. If you wear your emotion on your sleeve, uh, it, it doesn't go well. You set the tone when you walk in every morning, and if you've had a bad day, that's nobody else's business, and that's nobody else's problem but your problem. If you've had a bad day, that's your problem, and that's your problem to deal with. That is your cross to bear. It's your problem. I have seen so many business, it, and it tends to be small to mid-sized business owners that do this, they come in and they've had a bad day and they are shitty to their employees and they take their emotions out on their employees or they snap at their employees um, just because you're having a bad day or something went wrong. Don't be that guy. That's going to kill, A, your reputation as a leader But B, that's going to kill company morale. Even if it kills it for a day, it kills it. You have killed company morale. The last thing you want is to kill your production because you're having a bad day. You are stoic. You keep your emotions in check unless you just can't contain your laughter. Happy is the only emotion you have. Set the tone. Um, you know, and look, if it's a little unprofessional, but you know, if you have four employees, you know, shut things down early if you can and go grab a drink or go grab appetizers at B-dubs, you know, bring pizza into the office, um, you know, bring donuts if you can go, you, you have labor employees and if they're offsite, go visit them offsite. And when you visit them offsite, help. When you visit, when you do an offsite visit for your, your labor employees or your, um, employees that are kind of out in the field, show up with a mindset of you're there to help get their job done a little bit faster and just act like you're one of them. Don't stand there and watch. Just actually get in, roll your sleeves up, help out a little bit, and that's gonna go. That's gonna go a long way for for how your employees view you. Um, you know, don't show up and manage. Don't show up and and nitpick at anything that they're doing. If you have an issue, let it go. Just show up and help a little bit, and that's probably that's gonna go a long way, and that's gonna that's gonna help your reputation. As an owner, and it's going to help um, have lower lower turnover. 
And then here's a newer one, and we're, we're going to get out of here after this, I promise. Uh, Sean, I work for a large company in a lower-level management position. Um, I want to own my own company one day, but I feel like I need to climb the ranks a bit and learn before I try to venture out on my own. I love my company. They treat me well, and in return, I think I'm a good employee. What in your eyes makes a good, all caps there, good employee that's worthy of a promotion? Team player employees. Biggest one right there. Team player employees are worth promoting. I don't care how smart you are. If you're not a team player, you don't you don't deserve to be the next step up. If you are trying to lead a team, if you're trying to lead a, a company, you got to be a team player employee. That that goes along with. You know, there's a lot of, when you get into kind of the office life, there's a lot of, you know, or labor, whatever. There's a lot of office banter, right? And people form a camaraderie around kind of dissing the, you know, biting the hand that feeds them a little bit. And they want to bitch about Karen and accounting. And uh, they want to bitch about, oh, the owner, this and that. Uh, that is probably one of the things that makes me look at people and think, well, then you shouldn't be here. You don't even, you don't deserve to be here if this is the way that you feel. And it's not even my company, right? Uh, team players are the best. If it's somebody that is there to serve the company because they understand that on, especially in this current market, they understand that they are um helping they want to help they want to lead the company to success because then they will be successful not just there collecting a check that's one of the that is the biggest thing that i look for uh, another one is invest in yourself and don't wait don't wait for the company to do it for you um, you can ask your company to invest in you that goes a long way too uh, if there's a small leadership course or a small uh, training course that maybe is nominal. Uh, ask them to ask them to send it, send you to it. Um, be organized, communicate, and execute. That's pretty simple. Be organized. Don't point fingers. If if you drop the ball, if you drop the ball, then then you need to own up to it and fess up, and you'll move on. Uh, communicate. And then execute. If you say that you're going to do something, do something. I once heard that the the three things to be successful are plan, communicate, and do what you say you're going to do. And then you know, don't don't be a rat racer. I hate. I can't stand those guys. The guys that are th- just there to be a rat racer. They just want to claw their way to the top, and they they will just climb over everybody to do it. And those people you usually don't see it, it in the CEO position. You might see them in a VP position for a couple months, and then they get canned. Um, don't be a rat racer. And then the the last thing, just because the opportunity isn't there doesn't mean it won't pop up. So um, if you haven't started your own company yet and you want to you want to climb a little bit yet, there's no opportunity to climb where you're at right now. You need to be patient. You don't have to run out and look for another job right now. You need to be patient, especially if you love your company, because there's so many people that think the grass is green on the other side and they leave and they want to come back to their company because 
They hate their new position. Oper- you know, companies are a moving, breathing, living thing, and they change directions overnight. So just because you don't have an opportunity right now <clears throat> doesn't mean that you're not going to have an opportunity later. Um, so I, I hope that helped. Um, you know, please feel free to follow up with me. Um, you know, if you have questions about what I said, please uh, e- email me. Um, but thank, thanks for all your emails. I'm sorry that some of these I, I didn't get to until now. And I've got plenty more for the, the next episode. Um, and then some other just kind of off the cuff things. Um, an investment that I made myself is I've always wanted to have a food blog, but I didn't really feel like building a website. So I started a new Instagram and to go along with staggered idiot. And that is staggered underscore idiot on Instagram to go along with that page. I've actually started a, um, staggered eats. So staggered underscore eats. And it is all about, uh, my food. It is all about, um, things that I've made is all about places that I've been place. It, it's kind of like a, almost a travel blog on Instagram and it's really a, it's an investment for me, but it's, it's an outlet and it keeps me pushed forward to, to create new dishes, to create new food. Um, and to be able to share that with people. And I did something that I've never done before yesterday. There was, um, somebody that had a uh, newborn and that newborn had some very serious heart issues and the parents have been in and out of the hospital and so a relative of theirs started what they call a, a meal train and people will sign up for you know meals to bring them food and to make sure that they don't have to worry about anything and and I'm always very nervous about cooking for people that I don't know um, but I, I just came into the kitchen yesterday and I made an entire meal for this family that I've never met. I don't even know who they are. Um, but man, I poured so much love and support into this one meal and I delivered it to, uh, to the house today and, um, hopefully they love it. Um, you know, hopefully they, uh, they can taste the, the love and the, the passion that I put into that, into that meal. Um, that I made for them, but, um, that's just kind of, that's things that are going on, uh, you know, in the background. So if you want to follow that page, if you want to follow the edit, you want to follow stagger shades, um, please, you know, you don't have to buy anything, but follow us and, uh, give us a little bit of support on, on social media. If you got questions for the show, you want to sponsor the show, uh, shoot me an email, Sean at staggershades.com, S H A W N at S T A G G E R shades.com. Com. Uh, I've already got the next show written and got show notes out, but obviously there's there's a lot of stuff that's going to happen in between, you know, this show and that show, and so I'm sure the next one's going to be uh, going to be awesome too. I know that this one was a little bit long, so hopefully you guys had a uh, nice long car ride or you're sitting at work listening to it. Uh, keep listening. Thank you so much for all the support. And I, I want to say, you know, even though there, there was a big gap in, in shows, you know, when I look at these statistics of um, downloads and listens to the show, I'm still just so blown away at um, all the support. So thank you so much. There's more to come soon. And uh, everybody have a great week, great weekend, and uh, be kind to one another. <laughs>